So last, last week we started a new series on friends and we're talking about just the idea of how important friends are, how to be a good friend, different things. And, and last week we started with just the simple idea of, of being a friend of people, being someone that like cares about people, someone that loves people, and how God wants to use you, God can use you to be a, a, an attractive force, a magnetic force for the kingdom of God, that, that God can put an, an anointing and gifting and, and can use you to just pull people in, into the kingdom of God, just like these young ladies just sharing just a few minutes ago, just to, to use your life to make a difference. And so we looked at five I'm gonna hit them really, really fast in like 15 seconds. Five laws or keys of attraction that God uses us in. So number one is the law of the spirit, meaning that, that we don't have any power and ability in ourselves. I think, I think um, Sophie or, or Aubrey was sharing that, that it's, it's the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. So the law of the spirit is what makes us attractive. Then the law of friendship that you have to be friendly if you want to have friends. You have to be friendly, the law of friendship. Number three, the law of gossip. The law of gossip. And we talked about the idea that nobody ever thinks they're the one gossiping, but that if we participate in gossip, the Bible says in Proverbs that gossip, it separates. And so the law of gossip, we can't be gossipers. Number four, the law of proximity. You know, a magnet doesn't just, it doesn't just automatically draw things to itself. A magnet gets close to something before it'll draw the thing, right? And so if we want to actually like pull people in the lost into the kingdom of God, we have to get close to them. We have to get involved in their lives and care about them. And we looked at Jesus in, in um, uh, I about said Shadrach. <laughs> I was thinking like Shadrach, Meshach a minute ago. Um, but uh, Zacchaeus. And so the law of proximity, then Number five is the law of intentionality. And that's where we ended with, with our goals that, that I, I, we felt to set for like the remainder of this year. That if, if you're gonna do anything, it's going to get done on purpose. Nothing ever happens by accident. I've heard it said this way, to heaven is to steer, but to hell is to drift. So if you want to like get heavenward and the, the heavenly call of God upon your life, you have to do it intentionally. And so we said, all right, for us as a ministry and for us as individuals within the ministry, let's set some goals and press forward intentionally into these three things. So we have three goals. You can think 170 and 20, 170, 20, 100 students in one service by the end of the year, 70, that means that you guys lead as a group 70 people to the Lord. So Aubrey, you don't have to individually lead 70 people. If that happens, praise the Lord, that's incredible. But like us together, we all lead 70 people. That, you know, there's about 70 of us that come on a Wednesday night. So that's like one person. We lead one person to the Lord. Make that like your mission. And then if we all contribute, then we'll see 70 people come to the Lord by the end of the year. Now, that doesn't just have to be a student. If you're like at the grocery store and you talk, you talk to like Rick who's buying Mountain Dew, you know, like you, you can lead him to the Lord. Even if he's like 75, probably lives with his mom, drinks Mountain Dew and plays Call of Duty on the weekends, right? You can lead him to the Lord. 
And then the last one is 170-20. So we're gonna see 20 people get water baptized. And so that's like a little add-on. It's like, as you're telling people about Jesus and see them get saved, you can say, hey, come to church and let's get you water baptized. That's your next step. So right immediately, we're telling them their next step in their walk with Jesus. Come and get water baptized. So tonight, we're, we're gonna continue. I'm gonna talk about just the idea of who we're friends of. So really just answering this question, this fill in the blank, a friend of what? And we're gonna be running with the idea of who, who am I friends with? Who, who am I friends with? So if you, if you want a title, you can mark it as that. Who, who am I friends with and how, how do I find that out? And so this is a really important question, especially in light of what I really feel like God is doing in us right now as, as a ministry in the sense, just as we were saying, that like you have a purpose, you have a call on, of God on your life to do something significant, that none of you is meant to do anything small. It's all different in some way, shape, or form, but there's a call anointing on you. You have a destiny for your life. God has a destiny for your life. God is activating you in that. God is activating students in that. We saw it tonight in a couple of different testimonies. And so since, since you have something to do, and since God has a plan for your life, then who you get linked up with matters. If you are going somewhere, then who, who you're going with matters because who you're going with will affect whether or not you get there at all or how your journey as you're getting there, how, how effective you are in actually getting there. Look with me at Amos chapter three, verse three. We can get that scripture on the screen. It's a New Living Translation. Amos chapter three, verse three. It talks about it in the sense, our, our friends, in the sense of a destiny and a destination and getting there. It says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Ike, Andrew, can I get you two guys real quick? So can two people, we've got two people here. Okay, so you guys are gonna walk together, okay? All right, Ike, you were going to, you were going to go to the stage, okay? Just over here, maybe by that like mic over there. You're gonna go to the stage, okay? Andrew, you're gonna go to the soundboard, walk together. You see the difficulty. Okay, great job, guys. Then they start wrestling. And <laughs> okay, so you get the point. There's like, you, can, you can't. Even if they weren't gonna start wrestling and like have like a testosterone showdown, you know, like, you know, like they're gonna at least argue. Like, no, I think we should go to the soundboard. No, I, like, I'm pretty sure we should go to the microphone. Like I was told I should go to the microphone. God told me to go to the microphone. Okay, well, God told me to go to the, the soundboard. I don't, I don't even believe in a soundboard. You know, there's like so many, I don't know if you're catching on to some of the things that I'm saying, but it's like there's so much that if you're going to go somewhere, you have to get linked up with people that are going where you're going. You know, you have to get linked up with people that care about what you care about, that believe in what you believe in, that are passionate about the things that you're passionate about. That who, who we get linked up with it matters greatly. And a part of the, the challenge here is that people oftentimes dismiss, or as we'll read in just a second, can be deceived on the fact that who they're really surrounded with matters that much. Because 
we know, and we'll get into it here in just a little bit, but like, okay, this person is good for me, this person isn't. Most of the time we have like a general idea of like, like okay, they're like, you know, it's always like third party, you know, it's like, you know, they, they're really just a bad judge of character and just like, they, you know, they know that they shouldn't be dating that boy because, you know, he just, he is just something else. And, you know, he, he looks at girls' butts whenever they're walking down the hall and, you know, it's like, she, he, she does not know that he is a cheater. And, you know, it's like, and it's like, we always see it clearly with everybody else. But then when it comes to our own lives, it's like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Like I, my friends, like I can, like, I can handle being around them. You know what I'm saying? Like I can, we, we deceive ourselves. Look at me at 1 Corinthians. It says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. I'm not gonna erase, it's probably on the screen already. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Don't be misled. Another translation says, don't be deceived. If you can be, de- you know, so the, the reality is that you can be deceived. If it's saying don't be deceived or don't be misled, then you can be misled. You can be deceived and thinking, well, you know, I just, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to like, I'm friends with them because I'm trying to win them to Jesus. It's like, are you though? You know what I'm saying? Like, are you? Or are you just like hanging out with them, going to the mall just because like you like them? Or is it, are you really trying to win them to Jesus? Or we say, well, you know, I've, I've been friends with them like ever since, I was like in kindergarten. I mean, we, like we grew up together. I can't, I can't like tell them I don't want to be friends anymore, you know. And and we'll deceive ourselves into thinking it's not that important. I can make it work, whatever. But if we want to get to where God has for us, we have to get super serious about who we surround ourselves with. A lot of this, I think, has to do with you believing in your own destiny, you believing in God's hand on your life. And it's not to say that other people don't matter. It's actually to say that people matter tremendously because you're, the plan for your life isn't just the plan for your life. We said it last week. God's plan for you is really God's plan for everybody else through you, you know, that that. Who, who you surround yourself with, it doesn't just affect you, it affects everybody that you're called to reach, everybody that you're called to minister to, everybody that you are, are called to talk to about Jesus or influence at school or, you know, every person matters. And so therefore it matters greatly who we decide they're gonna be my friends. They're gonna be people that I run with. They're gonna be, they're gonna, they're gonna be people that I allow to get close to me, pour into me, encourage me. You know, Jesus, he wasn't friends with everybody. Jesus, Jesus was not friends with everybody. We, we looked at some of this last week in, in terms of how Jesus was a friend of sinners, right? Jesus was a friend of sinners, potentially people that were like, okay, you probably shouldn't hang around, hang around these types of people. But when you begin to break the scripture down and, and see what Jesus meant and, and how his life actually played out is that you see that Jesus spent time with, with sinners, but he was close to a group of disciples, and then he also had a group of people that he just did not completely associate with. So there's actually three categories of people. I'll, I'll give it to you like this, break it down like this, is that you have people to minister to, people to minister with, and then people to avoid. You have people you're called to minister to, people 
that you're called to minister with and people to avoid. So if you look at in Matthew chapter 23, starting in verse, verse 23, I just picked up in the middle. You could actually read, like it, it actually starts before this, but it says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees. So this is Jesus talking. You hypocrites, you give a 10th of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but, but have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. That's actually a scripture on, on tithing in the New Testament. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. So right there you can see, that's not very loving of Jesus. You're a blind guide. You strain out a gnat, you know, like, you're terrible. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Like, I thought Jesus was just all about love and just a hippie, and he just hugged trees and just like, we can all love each other, man, you know. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the, are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the... On the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we had not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. And so you testify against yourselves that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore, I'm sending you prophets and sages and teachers. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on the earth. I think I read too far. I was getting into it. I mean, he like, you, he is laying into these people. He, woe to you Pharisees, you are hypocrites. And he, he avoids these people. He's like calling them names, you know, very clearly identifying like these are people you want to avoid. And then goes as far to say that in, in Matthew 16, Verse six, Matthew 16, verse six. Jesus says, be careful, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So he, he had a very clear lines of who, who he associated with, who he was close to, and who he wasn't going to associate with. So again, he had people to minister to. That's the lost. That's, that's people that, okay, they need Jesus. So I'm gonna associate with them and get close with them on the grounds that I'm leading them to Jesus, right? But then the people that I do life with, the people that I minister to, the, those are more disciple level type people. Jesus spent most of his time, not with sinners, he spent most of his time with the disciples, pouring into them getting close to them, praying with them, teaching them. They're, they are what we'll call our friends, people that we minister with, but they're people we're doing life with. The Bible says we were thankful that we, we were glad to not only share the scriptures with you, but our very own lives as well. And so 
You have people that you minister with, but then also people to avoid. I have a few different classes of people I want to, to give you. People to avoid. They all start with the D. Discouragers. Debaters. I'll read them again. Drainers. Doubters. And dividers. You know, you have, you have somewhere that you're going. You have, you have a special giftings, talents, a destiny on your life, and there are people that will just suck literally the life out of everything that you're supposed to achieve, will, will suck the life out of it. And so you have, you have discouragers, people that, that'll, that just, they never build you up. You'll do something great, and then they'll just point out a flaw in you. Discouragers, avoid these types of people. You have debaters, people that just wanna argue with you. They'll just argue about the dumbest things. And our debaters will cause you to just spin your wheels, to just never get anywhere and go anywhere. You know, it would be like the example of these two guys trying to go somewhere. And let's say Andrew was, I think it was, you're going to the soundboard. And then Ike just debating about whether or not, you know, they should go there or where they should go at all. And so debaters, you also have drainers, drainers, people that, so they, they're discouragers, but then drainers are another level of people where it's like, they, they might not necessarily discourage you in the sense that, just, that it weighs you down, but they just require a ton of emotional energy. They require a ton of just your like passion in life. And it's like, they're just, they're pulling every, every ounce of everything from you so you can't, you can't even give anything to anybody else. I've heard it even talked about this in like colleges and in college campuses where you, you have groups of students or individual students who like drain the life out of the entire class and the, the professors have to spend most of their time catering to these few people and can't actually teach the, the whole crowd. You have people, people that would just drain the emotional and spiritual energy out of you. Just avoid drainers. And then doubters, doubters. So you have people that you're, you're like, whenever you start to get serious about God and the things of God, you have like dissenters and people that just like, they'll tell you that it's stupid, that's not gonna work, I don't know, I don't know why, I don't know why you thought that would happen. And we'll start to call it, sow seeds of doubt into everything that you're doing, into the gifts there, I mean, there's so much that we could talk about tonight. I mean, there's literally so much. I'm just trying to give you like a really big overview because we want to get into some other things in this series. But pay attention to people that just doubt, will speak nothing but doubt instead of faith. And then the last one is dividers, dividers, people that just cause problems, gossipers. And so you want to avoid these people. But understand, but understand that even in avoiding certain people is that, you really have to constantly keep a heart check on yourself that you always keep the people that you're avoiding in a sense in the group that you're also supposed to minister to, okay? But what I mean by that is there's, there's people that you want to avoid, but you have to remember that they still need to get saved, okay? Or perhaps that God is working on them and growing on them. It's not to say that you suck and I don't care about you anymore, but it, it's in the sense that that you, you, for various reasons, maybe, they're, maybe they are discouraging you, constantly debating you, draining you, whatever it is. But it's like, okay, I'm, I'm choosing to have a boundary here in our relationship 
but you're still gonna believe for, for them to grow. You're still gonna believe for maybe that they need to get saved. You're gonna believe for God to continue to work in them. And so understand that this isn't just like write people off and just say, screw you, okay? Understand that, that pe people are people and they need help, but you also have to take your life seriously and who you surround yourself with seriously because God wants to do something special through you. And so how do then the question, the key question tonight is, how, how do I know the difference between these people, people that I'm supposed to minister to, to, to minister with and to avoid? How, how do I know these different types of people? How, how, how do I classify them? How do I categorize them? And so the key is that you have to learn how to judge people. You have to learn how to judge people. Now, I, I, I said this partially just because I wanted to like get a rise and a stir out of people because I think that's fun, but also because it's true is that you, you, you have to know how to judge people. And in, in hearing me say that, like for, for someone to hear like a Christian say that, let alone a pastor say like you need to judge people, will either trigger people that don't that are mistaken about the Bible or trigger people that just want to be like offended about everything. It's like, you can't judge people. Like the Bible says, Jesus says, do not judge people. And so we're gonna look, we're gonna look at that and realize that that's, that's not actually what he meant, that there's, there's good judgment and then there's bad judgment. And that we, we if who we surround ourselves with matters, we have to, to discern or to judge, pay attention, to be able to, to notice the different types of people. We just listed several different types and are starting to break it down. And we have people that we're supposed to minister to and people that are discouraged. And you know, we, we gave a pretty broad list. But it's like, how do we begin to like discern these different things? So we have to judge people. Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven, if you wanna turn there, this is this famous scripture that people will say, don't, don't judge people. And they... they they use it out of context. So Matthew 7, and, and the reason I, I'm saying this not just because I wanna argue, but because Christians will have like the, the mentality where they're like, well, like, I, you know, I, especially with their own friends, where they're just like, well, you know, I just like, I can't judge them. Like, who am I to like say that? So like, I can't just write them off because I'm terrible too. And, and like, they'll get into this whole bunch of weird stuff uh, about about how they, you know, they can't write them off because they're human or whatever. But you'll, you'll see that's not what Jesus is actually talking about. So Jesus says, Matthew 7, verse one, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then, everybody say, and then. You will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So people will say, don't judge. Like, well, I'm, you know, I'm LGBT, I'm you know, pro-abortion, I'm whatever, don't, you, know, you can't judge me. The Bible says don't judge. He says, and then, you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from someone else's eye. So the context of judging isn't to actually not judge at all because in order to judge, in order to make an assessment, you have to first realize they have a speck in their eye. 
So in saying not to judge people, it's not to realize Andrew has a massive speck in his eye, but like the Bible says, don't judge, so I'm never gonna tell him there's a speck in his eye. You, you know what I'm saying? It's, the, it's to say, okay, I first have to, to take care of my own life and look at myself. And to, to be a hypocrite means that you are not living how you're preaching. You know, you are not living how you are telling people they ought to live. And so it's to first look at yourself but the base, the base theme of this scripture is actually that there is a speck in someone's eye and it does need removed. There are things that, that people need help removing and if we don't have any sense of judgment, any sense of awareness, any, any sense of observation in, in how people are living, what they're saying, how they think, then we're never going to actually be able to help them. They have a speck in their eye and they need help removing it. We have to be able to, to, to judge people. And most of the time you'll notice that when, when, people, when people will say, don't judge me, they'll actually, they'll actually judge you for your like, character, for the type of person that you are. But in order to, to, to judge people and, and to make assessments on people, it's not, to, it's not to make judgments about the type of person that they are or like their potential or their worth or their value, it's to point out the reality of the speck. It's not about them, it's about the speck. And so Jesus tells, tells a parable and, and, and breaks this down in, in an easier way. So in, in Matthew chapter 18, you can, you can see kind of the difference in in judging people in a sense that's like, that's wrong, that's hurtful, that isn't helpful, and then judging, judging people in, in a way that, that is beneficial. So Matthew chapter 18, nine through 14. I think I wrote the wrong scripture down. What's up here? Do you have Matthew 18? Ah, dang it. Well, it's not Mark because there's only 16 chapters in Mark. So there's only so many other gospels. It's Luke. Luke, there we go. You should have said that this whole time. I mean, it's 18 something. Okay. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. We're waiting. <laughs> Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so 
you see that this man, the, the Pharisee, the religious leader Pharisee, he was making judgments about the type of person this man was and was really comparing himself to this other person and was making it a matter of who's better, who's not better, you're worthless, I'm special. That's, that's bad judgment, that's poor judgment. But good judgment is saying, hey, there's, there is an issue with the action. There's an issue with what's happening. There's an issue and I want to help fix it. What this Pharisee could have done instead was, was to help the tax collector who was a sinner instead of saying, this, I'm just better that, I'm, I'm glad and thankful that I'm just better than this guy. But instead, he, he didn't say, okay, you know what? I'm gonna help this guy that, you know, he, he like, he steals money. Because if you know anything about tax collectors, they would steal money. He steals money. He lies to people. You know, he needs Jesus. This guy's somebody that needs Jesus. He still made a judgment. He still said he steals. Well, he at some point will have to tell him he can't steal, you know? At some point, you have to, have to say, listen, you can't lie. If you're gonna be, be a Christian and, and live for God, you can't lie about people's finances. That's still making a judgment. That's still making an observation about, about people. And so we need to learn how to make good judgments. If, if we actually, if we want to be able to make good judgments, it's actually a matter of being, being able to o obey the Bible. So let's look at a few more scriptures. To be, to be able to obey the Bible in the sense of if we're going if, the, if we're going to, as the scripture said a few minutes ago, a, to, not be to not be misled or deceived, but bad company corrupts good character. If we're going to obey this scripture, then we have to actually judge people. So look, we'll look at just a few scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. I wrote to you in my letter, this is like a super good scripture. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy or swindlers or adulterers. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing to you, he's saying like, in other words, I meant that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, meaning someone, someone who's a Christian, but who is but someone who claims to be a Christian, but who is sexually immoral or greedy, an adulterer or slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. So not, not, okay, we'll keep reading. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. So he, he gets pretty specific there. It's like, don't even eat with such people. Don't even eat, don't even associate, it, associate with, with these sort of people. And so you'll notice that it has completely everything to do with people that are gonna supposed to be Christians, but yet do certain things. And so again, we're falling back to the category of, okay, you have people that we're supposed to minister to and then people that we're supposed to be friends with. We're talking about tonight, who am I gonna be friends with? Who am I gonna run with? Who's gonna be my crew, my posse? Whatever you guys freaking say nowadays. And so, gang. <laughs> and so, and so it's like, okay, who, who, who am I going to be friends with? 
okay, well, it can't be with Christians who are gonna live like the world, okay? It's not to say we shouldn't be friends with the world. He says, I don't mean actually that you shouldn't hang out with people of the world that are like liars and greeters and greedy and sexually immoral. He says, if that would be the case, if you weren't supposed to be friends with people that are like sinners, you would have to leave this world. We can't even be here. But he says, this is not what I mean. So what I mean is people that are gonna claim to be Christians, but that don't live like that at all. In order to do that, we have to judge people and see, okay, this is someone, they're greedy. They are selfish. This is someone who is sexually immoral. You have to be able to make a judgment call on what they're doing and how they're living to be able to obey that scripture. Second Corinthians chapter, uh, sorry, wrong, I skipped one. Romans chapter 16. Well, I'll just, we'll read these super quick, these last few. Romans chapter 16, verse 17. And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions and upset people's faith by teachings contrary to what you have been taught. Stay away from them. So now he's not even just talking about people that, that are Christians that are doing things. He's talking about staying away from people that are, that are gonna try to pull people away from the faith. People that you could say like that are false prophets or whatever. And we're not gonna get into all that. But he says, can you put the scripture back up there, please? He says, watch out for people who do X, Y, Z. Watch out for people. You, you, you have to make assessments on people. Listen, I'm really trying to drive this home tonight because the, the Gen Z generation is more concerned with like not upsetting people's feelings than they are at actually standing up for their own call and destiny for God for the life. Like they don't wanna hurt people's feelings and say, oh, I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna participate in that. I don't wanna be your friend because they're, they're more concerned about hurting that person's feelings. So I'm trying to drive this home tonight, which is that you've got to see, you can make a judgment call on someone. You can make it, you can see, this is not a person I should hang out with and it's okay. It is more than okay, it's actually biblical. It's a biblical command. Watch out for people and then he says at the end, stay away from them. Stay away from them. One, one more scripture, and then I'm gonna give you a, a few other points. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse six. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and do, does not live according to the teaching you received from us. Again, stay away. So, so you have to be able to judge people and know the difference. How, how then, just a few questions for you to think through. How, how, how do I judge people? What questions do I ask? What, what am I thinking through? What filters am I, am I gonna see people through? So I'm gonna give you a couple questions tonight. A couple questions. Number one, ask yourself, what are they passionate about? What are, you have to be able to get perceptive about people. Be a people watcher. He says, watch out for people, watch people. Pay attention to your friends. What are they passionate about? And there's some like other key questions, a lot of key questions within this. What do they spend their money on? What do they spend their time doing? What would they pay to do? What do they talk about? And so obviously we, we wanna make an impact. We got, we, this whole thing is predicated on the fact that you've got something important to do with your life. And so if they are people that aren't passionate about anything, they just wanna like play video games, and just do nothing or just, you know, 
not, not, not read their Bible, not pray, not push in for things of God. They just come and just stand in church and not, not passionate about anything. Okay, that is, a, that is a, an identifier. Okay, this is somebody, they're passionate about things that I'm not passionate about and all the things that I'm not passionate about, they are very passionate about. So that's the key, an indicator. I, I, I'm, I, how am I gonna categorize them? Are they someone I need to minister to? Are they someone I need to be friends with? Okay, probably not. Are they someone I need to avoid? Perhaps, you know, thinking through these questions. What, next question, what fruit are they producing? So not just like what, what are they passionate about, but like what quite physically are they doing? What are they producing? Are they productive? God, God has something for you, has something for you to do. You've, you've got such, God can use you to do such amazing things right now. Not like 10 years whenever you're 26 years old, out of college and you're in your career. No, right now, you can be producing things for the kingdom of God. And so you can think through things like, okay, do they serve at church? Do they serve at church? What are they producing in their school? What, what are they producing whenever they're here at youth? What, what impact are they having? Are they, are, are they producers? Because I, I wanna run with people that are running. I don't wanna run with people that are walking. You know, uh, we've, we've got a destination to get to, somewhere we're going, and I wanna get there as quickly as possible. You know, even in terms of our goals. So I see 100, 100 students, lead 70 people to the Lord, 20 get baptized. It's like, this is just a great test for us. Who are we gonna be friends with that run to see these things happen? You know, because it's like if Tom, Dick, and Harry just like don't care at all about the goals, okay, then I, I'm gonna like surround myself with people that care. I'm gonna, I'm gonna surround myself with people that are running and producing something. N another question, who are their friends? Who are their friends? Not just, not just you, obviously, that's obvious, you're considering them, but it's like, what are, who are the other people that they associate with? Because who you, who you are around is going to affect you. It says, don't be deceived, don't be misled, it does affect you. Another question is, how do they, they worship Jesus? This is, ladies, this is actually a really good one for you. As you get older, you know, so we, we talk about the idea of like not dating, like, until later, like until the Bible says, until the time is right, until you're, which is, okay, when is the time right to get married? Like when you're ready to be married, or when is the time to start dating whenever you're ready to be married? And so, anyways, that's a subject for another time, but ladies, when you start thinking about guys, and it, like a key indicator of a guy that, like that's to, to date or for friends is when they're in worship, they actually worship. Because you say, okay, well, do they come to church? If, that, if you have to ask, do they come to church, that you are already, <laughs> you know, if you wonder if they come to church, you are already in the wrong playing field, in the wrong field. So it's like more than just do they come to church, it's how do they worship whenever they're at church? How do they engage? Because, and, and for ladies, I felt this and really specifically for you, because if you have a guy that is going all going for Jesus, it doesn't matter how he looks. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter really how far along he is in life right now. Is that if he loves Jesus, he is going to go far. Anyways, that was just something felt for specifically for the ladies. Last question. Uh, two, two more questions. Do, do I have to ask obvious questions? So this is a question for you. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to judge people. Do I have to ask myself obvious questions? So things like I already said, do they go to church? 
Do they believe in sex before marriage? Do they smoke pot? If, if I'm having to ask myself the obvious questions and wonder about them, that is, an, that is a key indicator of where they need to fall in our categories, who we're supposed, people we're minister to, minister with, people to avoid. The last question tonight is, who is the type of person, ask yourself, who is the type of person God is looking for? So we're looking for tonight, who am I gonna be friends with? Who am I gonna run with? Okay, well, who is it that God is looking for? Because you know, God is looking for someone. And in 2 Chronicles 16, verse nine, it says, God's eyes are roaming throughout the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully devoted to him so he can show himself strong on their behalf. God is looking for someone. God is looking for someone. And so who are the type of people that God is looking for? People whose hearts are fully devoted to him. And so if we're going to be people that make an impact, people that do something with, with our lives, people that God can use, then we have to get linked up with the type of people that God is looking for. That is the type of people that are all in, the type of people that are runners, the type of people that are going for God with everything that they have. Why? Because we have something big on the inside of us. We've got somewhere we've got to go, something that God wants us to do with our lives. And so the only option is I have to get with people that love God with everything that they have. Because I'm not gonna miss what God has for me.